We're joined on the line by Victor Komoswana, Director at Africa's Open for Business, Jumbo Victor. Briefly talk to us about the history of this day and why it is so important for our continent to observe this particular day. In 1957, when Ghana became independent, there were about five or six African states that were independent. Kwame Nkrumah, the, the, the father, imminent, most imminent African in my view, united those independent states in Accra in 1958 and said, people, the independence of Africa is, impano, is paramount. Let's create an occasion on which we can coordinate our campaigns for the freeing of all the other independent states. The day was celebrated. It wasn't always called Africa Day. But by 1963, when the Organization for African Union was founded, they then decided, because remember at the time, many more countries had been independent. It was only Angola, South Africa, Mozambique, Namibia that were not independent. Now, the focus of Africa Day, Elvis, and of the African Union, which we call it now, which was the Organization for African Union, was primarily or mainly about forcing or working towards the liberation of those states. So in, originally the day was about conscientizing free African states to make sure that the entire Africa is free. 54 countries on our continent, and a number of people says we should actually be a United States of Africa. Some analysts suggest, no, it will not work, as Africans are united in culture and values, but not in politics and commerce. Is that debate of a United States of Africa, uh, with one currency perhaps, still relevant and possible? It is relevant today as it was. Remember, Elvis, let's remind Africans, the borders of these 54 countries you are referring to, were not drawn by Africans. It was drawn by Europeans and Americans in 1884, 1885 at the Berlin Conference. And the purpose of dividing Africa was not to help Africans manage their affairs, but it was to divide the resources of Africa among the colonial powers. But coming today, is it practical to have one Africa? Eventually it should be, but the practical realities of getting there are maybe moving towards the regional economic blocks first, Elvis. The East African community, the economic community of West African states, and so on. And once you've got SADC organized and then East African community, perhaps you can move towards that. So the essence of it wouldn't be just getting one currency. The essence of it would be agreeing on the priorities, the fiscal priorities, the monetary priorities, and the governance priorities, and making sure we have institutions to enforce that. Once you have that, Remember what a currency is, Elvis, is the language of trade and business. Mm. And if you agree on the priorities of trade and business, then your currency will fall automatically. Another currency we have on this continent is youth. Youth, and it's going to be an exp- it's a landmine. It's a, it's a, it's a potential or, a, or an advantage if you know how to channel your young people into the right education, make them employable, allow them to express their exuberance in entrepreneurship by creating legislative frameworks and policy frameworks that allow them to thrive. At the moment, Africa is not particularly doing well. If we can use South Africa as an example. And young people who are not educated, who don't have economic opportunity, do not become an opportunity for you. They become a real explosive in your hands, and they can become a difficulty. Crime is one example. Drug abuse is another. Teenage pregnancy will be another. That will make sure that those young people now become a problem in the end. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Africa Day also coincides today with the inauguration of our president-elect, Sir Ramaphosa. What is that clarion call to African leaders on this African Day from the president? What should it be? I would say the only way African countries can thrive is if they coordinate their economic activity. You know, everything else, politics and whatever, is poetry. If you are losing the economic story. There are rich people behind the misery of Africa, Elvis, and they are doing that because they are organized. I would wish for President Ramaphosa to say the future of Africa belongs in intra-Africa trade and let's stop making it a slogan. Let's make it happen by creating institutions and getting our continent to break down all those barriers that keep us apart. When people are economically successful, lots of other things are possible and lots of problems we face, including xenophobia or Afrophobia, will disappear. Victor, you're speaking my language. Now, this year's theme... Healthy lifestyle prolongs life. It's, uh, how important is this message for the continent, as recent reports suggest that food insecurity in Africa is on the rise? Yeah. You know, in the 80s, Elvis, when the struggle was invoked and very dangerous, we used to talk about three things that were holding us back. Poverty, ignorance, and disease. You cannot build an economy on an unhealthy nation. So healthy lifestyle, not just getting medication, but making sure people are living a healthy lifestyle, they are active, they are eating right, and they are mentally well, Elvis, which is another thing very difficult to ensure. We are living in a violent society, we are living in... But all those things are about conversation. Understanding is the highest form of virtue. If we understand one another as Africans, we are likely to go far. We don't understand that moment, we are not talking to one another, we have technology that should make it easy for us to communicate, and yet we are so far apart. It's a tragedy. Now, as we are also part of the Global Village, news of the U.S. blacklisting Huawei made headlines. Other experts say that the ban threatens the global economy. Are there any repercussions that will be felt uh, by Africa in this regard? Well, I wish Donald Trump will stop being such a real gangster on this matter. (laughs) The issue of Huawei, Elvis, is simple. There are three top smartphones in the world. Number one selling is Samsung. Number two selling is Huawei. It's a Korean and a Chinese, and Chinese company. Number three is Apple. This is purely bullying tactics that the U.S. is using to not cope with the fact that they have been overtaken by a Chinese smartphone. And they are creating all kinds of stories about being spied on, security breaches. Well, Google is spying us as we speak. They know where every one of us is. Nobody's complaining. So I think President Trump is doing that. But coming back to Africa, remember all these three smartphones I'm talking about, all the tablets, all the computers have cobalt in them, Elvis. And who's the biggest producer of cobalt in the world is the DRC, the country that became independent in 1960 and hasn't known peace until very recently. So when Africans look at these, they must remember this is a trade war between two superpowers and they are fighting over gadgets that are made with resources that come from their continent. The question is, where is the African smartphone? Where is the beneficiation coming from that uh, smartphone as well? Yes. Now, with the global debate, (laughs) seeing that we're talking about the fourth industrial revolution, how does Africa take its place in that debate? By starting to coordinate itself, really, and speaking with one voice. China can do what it is doing to the United States, because it's got over a billion people. We have over a billion people. America has over 300 million people. They are small if we realize the power of consumer markets. But because they are organized, 
they are able to dominate us and continue to dominate us. The only way to reverse that is to understand the game we are playing, why we are losing it. And we are losing it, Elvis, because we are participating as this quasi or pseudo-sovereign state that we are. In the end, the power of Africa lies in a united approach. Even if we are still called sovereign states, let's have a common strategy, common vision, speak with one voice, create institutions that will give us muscle.